0: Uh, this is sort of a one-off. This is not connected to a series because we do have Easter coming. And this was just, uh, this was something that God gave me and uh, it was for me. And sometimes God gives me something for me, just for me. And then sometimes I'm like, no, this is, this is for everybody. And so this is one of those messages uh, and we see it in Mark chapter one and we're gonna start in verse 29. It'll be up on the screen. It says this, now, as soon as they had come, Out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon. You have that up there? Right. (laughs) Skipping down to 32, just as easy. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. That's kind of epic. The whole city gathered at the door. Incidentally, um, this is the same house where a little bit later on in Mark, the, remember the, the um, paralytic man was lowered through the roof, right? So the, they, they uncovered the roof and lowered the paralytic man. This is the same house um, that that happened. And the whole city was gathered at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Verse 35, now in the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, because for this purpose, I have come forth. Everyone say "For for this purpose. So as I said, this message is for me. Um, 2022 has just been like kind of a busy, sort of a strange, lots of highs and lows and curves and turns. And, you know, I don't mean to say that it's been um, bad. It's just been different than what I expected. Who so far 2022 has been different than you expected? I see that hand. Um, maybe not bad, just different. And you know, different requires a little bit more skills in terms of just, you know, navigating dynamics in life. And um, I, I was thinking about just the fact that I felt busy and busy navigating things, emotionally busy, um, physically busy. And you don't often see or think of busy and healthy in the same category. Typically, if you're busy then you're like, I can't wait for things to slow down because then I'll be better. Then things will be right because I'm too hectic, I'm too busy, I'm spinning, and I need things to slow down because that's the answer. Um, and I, it's interesting. Um, I want to talk to you about how to be busy. This message isn't about slowing down because how many of you know life's going to continue? And it may be different, but there'll never be a time when we just sort of float on a cloud and go, ah, finally, finally I got through the busy part of my life. And now I'm into life is easy. There's no dynamics. um, But it's really how do I function in a healthy way and yet still be busy? And so I put that up there, learning how to be busy. You know, Jesus was incredibly busy. Jesus had, well, he was alive for 33 years. But, but for whatever reason, God chose to ordain three years for his son, Jesus, for his ministry life. He spent three years in ministry. And in those three years, he needed to change the world. He needed to save humanity and create enough of a movement so that when he left 2,000 years later, we'd still be talking about it. So how many, you know, he got up every day and he's like, man, I I need to be purposeful. If you had a task like that and you only had three years to do it, you'd be like, I am so overwhelmed at how busy I need to be, how purposeful I need to be. And so this this was Jesus' world. Like he was so on purpose and massively busy, and yet never stressed, very healthy. And he invites us to this. And so I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, well, what about that scripture that says that Jesus said, like, come to me, all you who are weary, and you will find rest. Or how about about David who said, you know, I'm going to lead you to, you know, peaceful streams, and, 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 and pastures. And, it, and it's almost like we paint this picture that we think Jesus just floats around on a cloud and invites us to float with him. And so when you encounter any level of busyness or dynamics in your life, it's like you've fallen from grace. And I want to paint a different picture. Listen, I want to lay my head down on the pillow every night, exhausted. Exhausted. I just want to be exhausted for the right reason. Anybody with me? Have you ever, you just like, you just killed it that day, right? Like, you're just like, this was such a good day. And it's not because I went, you know, on vacation or did this or whatever. I mean, sometimes you go on vacation, you come back more tired, right? Emotionally exhausted. But if you ever had those days where you're like, today was so good, like, I feel so good about what I did. I'm physically exhausted, but emotionally, I'm thriving. I, like, I, I didn't leave anything out on the court. And, and, and I think that that's the life Jesus calls us to, because floating is floating's, uh, overrated. In fact, I know that because I recently went fishing. Now, I got invited to go fishing and I've been invited a lot before. Now, ironically, the two guys who went with me aren't here because they had other things going or because they knew I was going to tell this story. But uh, Derek and Qua uh, invited me to go fishing and um, I had never been fishing out on the uh, the ocean. The only fishing I'd ever done is like on a little, you know, a little uh, tiny boat on Dixon Lake or something like that. Never been deep sea fishing. And this is like Qua's thing. And and I remember seeing pictures of Heather's dad because he goes fishing, deep sea fishing all the time, and he shows us like big pictures of like you know mar, like you know huge marlin that he's holding that he you know got and everything. And it's always a beautiful day, right? It's the Instagram thing, right? You always have this vision of what it could be. So I envisioned beautiful day, calm sea, and we're just out there like right? High-fiving one another, catching tons of fish, getting a tan, just like loving life, right? And I knew that the only thing that's going to stand in the way of that is that I get motion sickness. But I'm like, here's the thing. Motion sickness is, it, it, is not a problem because I just have to survive the ride out, the boat ride out, which is I'm sure is bumpy, right? You get out there, and then once you're there, like I said, it's just bliss, it's smooth sailing, calm sea, right? You're just like, you're living your best life. And then, and then you got to survive the boat ride back. So I prepared myself. I did like, I took Dramamine the night before. I take Dramamine the, the morning of. I went and got the wristband, but it hurt my wrist, so I didn't wear it. I was thinking about getting the patch. I mean, I was, I was into it. I'm like, I got to survive the boat ride out. So we get in the boat. Sure enough, we're cruising out. And I got, uh, I sat in the middle of the boat. Staring at the horizon, which is what they say you should do. We're right outside of like off of La Jolla. And beautiful. Sunset's coming up, right? And Qua kept checking on me. And I'm like, I'm good. Like the boat ride out. No worries. Just And he's like, man, way to go. We're high-fiving. I'm like, I can't wait to get out there. We finally get out there. We're probably, you know, a mile out of, out of La Jolla. So you could barely see, you know, the, the shoreline. And a uh, beautiful day. Not windy, not choppy. So we get out there and they didn't set anchor. They just kind of drift. They're floating. Lo and behold, for three hours, the boat, which is like a 40 person boat. It's like a pretty big fishing boat. No joke. The boat's doing this for three hours. You dizzy yet? I'm about to be sick. And, you know, Qua, he's like, dude, this is awesome. We're like falling all over everybody, right? right? Trying to catch fish like this. He's like, isn't this amazing? And I'm like, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> so I fished for like 45, uh, three hours. I fished for like 45 minutes. Guess how much I caught? You guessed it, nothing. And and then I spent the next two and a half hours at the front of the boat, which I know sounds strange, but I just needed to see the ocean. And I'm hanging over the side like this. And I I mean, I think I got bruises on my elbows because I I was hanging over the side, not because I had to throw up, although I did, but, but because I just needed to see like, I needed to see the ocean and get close to it and pretend like I was going somewhere, which helped a little bit. Needless to say, it was a bummer. I tried to have a good attitude, right? View was beautiful. And then, and then it was done. And then uh, they said, hey, throw the fishing poles back in and we're going to head back. And guess what? I was totally fine on the way back too. Here's what I found. Floating is danger. When you're moving, it's all good. I mean, I could have drove forever. I could have driven around La Jolla like whatever you want to do. As long as we're moving, I'm good. It's when we stop and we start doing this, that I totally lose it. And I think in life, so much of our life, we're looking and searching for that moment where it's just like, we're not doing anything. We're just like, we're good. The seas are calm. But I'm telling you, that's not the sweet spot. Those are the moments you get dizzy. Those are the moments you get disoriented. God's created you and I to be moving. So get the picture out of your mind that that, that that God has some awesome zen spot for you out there where like life isn't hectic and you know, there's no worries. Like God's built you To move. You are a speedboat for the kingdom of God. And Jesus was a speedboat. And he said, Follow me, follow me so that your soul is at peace, but your body is moving because God has called us to be on the move for his kingdom. See, Jesus wasn't floating, he was running his race. And Paul talks about it. Paul talks about it in Hebrews: is that that he's called us to run our race, to be moving to be busy how to be busy is what we're going to talk about but he's called us to be busy and i love this scripture in hebrews chapter 12 it says therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles for this reason so that we might run with endurance the race that is set before us i'll tell you god has called you and me to a life of significance Floating is about survival. That's how I felt. For three hours, I'm like, I just need to survive because this is awful. And I think so much of our life, we spend just like, if I could just survive this and get to the next place. And God's like, no, I've created you for significance, for purpose, to to live a, a life of risk, to live a life of faith. Like, come on, let's not stop taking risks for the kingdom. Let's not stop throwing it all out there and saying, God, my, my life is, is, is for significance and purpose and meaning. I am not just surviving. I'm not trying to find a place where there's no worries or dynamics. What well, I want my life to count. I want my I lay my head down at the pillow every night and go, today, it mattered. Today mattered. Even if it was just for one person today mattered. And so we're going to look at Jesus because I believe that Jesus lays out some simple ideas on how, how do I stay busy? How do I live this life that's meaningful and significant without getting burnt out? Some of us were like the flash paper. You ever see ever done flash paper where you light it and it goes, and then goes, and it's out. You ever meet those people that they're like, I'm on fire. Yes. And then like in a couple of weeks, they're just nowhere to be found. Right? It's just these. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, the next thing. And then God wants us to live a life of meaning that lasts. All right. Day in and day out, week in and week out. Like I'm thriving in my soul. But it's not because I found this place of, of floating where I'm not doing anything. No, I'm busy but I'm busy doing the right things. So the first idea that we see in this story of Mark is Jesus paid himself first. Jesus paid himself first. And you guys are like, what are we talking about? Jesus didn't pay himself. Um, Verse 35, I love this. In the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out to a solitary place and there he prayed. This was an incredible start to to this ministry. What you have to realize about this story is Jesus had just cast out a demon and then he went into the synagogue and he was like healing people. He was teaching. People were like, we've never seen anybody teach with this kind of authority. And then a crowd gathered. It said the whole city gathered around Jesus. Now Jesus is literally just starting his ministry. This is Mark chapter one. So remember the purpose by which Jesus came. I got three years to change the world. This was a great start. He's got tons of pity. He's got the whole city gathered around. Seems like a random time for a walkabout. Jesus is like, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta leave. The term pay yourself first is a financial term, and it may be an uh, an old school financial term, but those people who are in finance still believe in this term in terms of money management, and it's a simple idea, and it's kind of like the rocks in the jar, right? The big rocks go in first, and then you put the sand in. If you pour the sand in first, and then you're trying to jam the rocks in there, there's no room for the rocks. And so the idea behind finances, and this is a little tip for people who you know, if you haven't heard this term before, is you pay yourself first. Those are the big rocks in the jar. So retirement, savings, right? Um, You know, generosity, right? Those things that matter, the things that matter to you about your life, about your future, like the 10-year version of you, they're gonna be excited about these decisions. What are you doing now that the 10-year version of you would be like, way to go, that was a great decision. That's paying yourself first. And then you pour the sand in, right? All your bills and all the frivolous stuff. And like I ate out way too much this, this um, month. And Heather's like, yeah, we did. And, you know, I went fishing and I went golfing. And like all of the sand fills up the rest, which is fine if you already got the big rocks in there. Tracking? People are like, I got to rethink my finances. So... So simple idea, pay yourself first. And um, so I I put this up there. Jesus was relentless about staying hydrated. Jesus paid himself first, meaning Jesus always took care of himself first. Sounds like a really selfish thing to, to do. But if you want to stay busy, if you want to stay on mission, if you want to live a life of significance, you are no good to anybody when you burn out. And so Jesus, he's like, I got to get up early and I'm going to put the needs of everybody else on the back burner because I need to get a big rock in the jar because otherwise my day is just going to go. Anybody with me? Anybody like your day just like, whoop, there it went. And everybody filled up your jar and you didn't, get it. you didn't squeeze anything in. And Jesus is like, no, I got some big rocks that I need to get in my jar that are important to me. And so, and so I'm going to put them in. I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, yeah, I, okay, I get it, Shane. I got to get up earlier and I got to seek the Lord in prayer and I got to read my Bible more. And, you know, don't you feel convicted? I think we're done for the day. Okay. Thanks, you guys. See ya. No, Uh, here's what I love. Here's what I love. Jesus had a spot that he loved to go. And we know that. And I didn't know this until I went there. But we know that in Israel specifically, there's a space that he loved to go. And it's where he always went when he escaped. and, 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 And geographically, they know that this is where he went. And this is the spot. It was a little mountain. It was more like a hill that overlooked the Sea of Galilee. And that's where you're looking at. Go to the next picture. This was Jesus's spot. And listen, when, when you read the scriptures, like you, I don't know what you envision, but I always envisioned this just like lame little spot where Jesus kind of goes and he goes away because he's trying to, He just got to pray. But then when I went there and we walked, like I took this picture, like I was up there. And what you have to understand is it's so beautiful. And I just like, it dawned on me. Jesus loved to go for walks. Like, Jesus loved to go to this place and meet with his father. And then he took his disciples up there. And how many know when you like something, you take your friends. Like when you go to a restaurant or you go, you know, go someplace, you know, some cool place, or even you go fishing, thanks for the invite. You go to some place that you love you're like, dude, come with me. This is awesome. And so, Jesus, the Bible says that when He chose the 12, He brought them up, and He's like, dude, this is amazing. Isn't this a cool spot? Can you imagine Jesus? Like, isn't this a cool spot? And then, go to the next picture. This is up there as well. And the cool thing is, um, you can see uh, Capernaum where the house was just up there on the right next to the ocean is that little city that he was just in healing people in the house. So you see kind of where he walked early in the morning and went up on this hill. And so again, the whole point of this is to say, listen, Jesus knew that if I'm going to stay on mission, if I'm going to live a life of significance, if I'm not going to burn out so I'm no good to anyone, then then I need to stay hydrated. Like my soul needs to stay hydrated hydrated. And so, and so Jesus did some things that he loved to do. And he invited his father into those things and allowed his father to delight in him. And this, listen, there's, there's so many amazing pathways to connect with God, of course, through prayer, of course, through the word, through worship. But listen, there's, go for a walk. Listen to some Christian music. Like do the things that you enjoy doing and invite your heavenly father into those spaces and let him show you how much he delights in you. This is what Jesus did. And it was an incredible life-giving thing so that each time he came down from the hill, he's like, I'm good. I'm good now. Listen, all the life got sucked out of me because everybody needs something. And so I get away. I pay myself first and I come down from the mountain and I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's go again. I don't need to drift. I don't need to float for a while. I don't need to you know, get away from it all. Like I'm good. My soul is good. And so my question to you and me is, how's your soul? How's your joy? How's your enthusiasm for life? Are you letting the the sand of life, get in there first. And then you're like, oh, my my day's gone. It's so easy to do. And sometimes we even feel like we're being good Christians because we're serving everybody. Jesus didn't do that. He paid himself first. What do you love to do? I think in the church, we often paint this picture that like the only way to recharge with God is to like get up at four in the morning and intercede for the nations and read four chapters in the Bible. And if you're not doing one of those things, then you're not gonna get spiritually fed and you're not gonna connect with God. And I just wanna blow that whole world up for you and go, what do you love to do? When was the last time you invited God into that space? And go, come on, let's... We do this together. Enjoy the beauty of nature. Go for a walk. Do something you love to do. Go fishing. Just like do it with God, and let Him love you. Hmm, Shane, this is really good. Really good. Second idea is this: Jesus served the need but wasn't a slave to it. Verse 37 says this, Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. This was arguably the worst time for Jesus to bounce. The whole city had gathered at the house. <laughs> Can you imagine James and John waking up and Peter waking up in the morning? And they're like, dude, this is going to be incredible, right? Like Jesus' ministry has just started and we're like kind of his sidekicks. So we're a big deal too. And we haven't healed anybody yet, but people think we have because we hang out with Jesus. So they're getting up and they're like, dude, this is going to be such a good day. And they go out and there's this huge crowd. And then they're like, bring Jesus out. We got the first candidate. To be healed, right? They're lining up. Go get Jesus. Well, I don't know. I thought you had him. No, I didn't. I didn't have him. Well, he's probably still sleeping. Go get him. He's not there. They're checking the local Starbucks. Like he's nowhere to be found. Gone. So they're looking at each other like, well, I can't heal anybody. Well, we need to go find Jesus. So you saw the, how far it was. They knew where he was. Because they, they knew what Jesus loved to do. He loved to go to his spot, like the most beautiful, literally the most beautiful place in the area. It's the same place that, remember when the disciples were out on the boat and they were like, they were like, you know, overcome with waves and stuff. And it says that Jesus saw them. It's not because he was like superhuman. It was because he was in his spot. And he was, and it was amazing because when we went out on the Sea of Galilee, they showed us that's, that's where Jesus hangs out and you could see it. It's like up on this hill, so Jesus saw them. So he hung out there all the time. They knew where he was. So they go up and they're like, Jesus, um, like I know that you, you're doing your thing, but like there's all these people. We need you to come now. Now notice this. Notice this. Notice this. Um, notice the, 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 the slavery of uh, the slavery of expectation. And what that sounds like. What what the slavery of expectation sounds like. Everyone is looking for you. That's That's what the disciples said to him. Not like, hey, there's a few people down there. Or, hey, there's the townspeople down there. Everyone is looking for you. Do you ever feel like that? Right? Even if it's just two people, it's everyone. Right? When you're overwhelmed... Right, your problem goes from here to here. The expectation on you—do you ever feel like it's just overwhelming? I feel like everyone needs me. The slavery of expectation. So don't think for a second that Jesus, the Savior of oh the world, didn't feel the temptation to give into the slavery of expectation. This is what is expected. Jesus, you were just there. And I don't know if he probably didn't say, I'm going to be back because he doesn't lie. But that was the expectation. You're going to come back in the morning and all these people are sick and they need you and you actually and you can actually heal them. Everyone's looking for you. Most of us would, would have given in. But see, Jesus was hydrated and Hydration gives you an incredible perspective. See, when you're not hydrated, then then you just have a tendency to give in to whatever comes your way, which is the importance of getting away because when you're good, when your soul's good, you ever notice that you make better choices? Like when you're doing good, when you're above the clouds, you're like, ah, yeah, I can make Better choices and Jesus, this is him, he made better choices. And I wrote this down and I hope that you internalize it because I thought it was really good. If you want your yes to be really big, then your no needs to be just as big. Go ahead and put that up there. If you want your yes to be really big, then your no needs to be just as big. When you say when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. You said "Yes to be here, so you're not somewhere else. And so, and so we want our yes to be really big. Jesus' yes was incredible. I mean, I mean, don't you think that the leper that walked up to Jesus and said, "If you're willing, cleanse me." And Jesus was like, "Yes." And he reached out and touched him. That's my yes. That's a big yes. But Jesus had resounding no's. And this was one of them. Jesus didn't go back. Please, Jesus, all of these people need you. And Jesus was like, listen, you have to understand something. I have a really big yes. And I'm all in for that yes. And so I have to learn to say no. And, and it's not about saying no so that you can do your own thing or so that you're just, you're just done with people. Like I've seen people just say their, their, their no's really big because they're so worn out. They're just like, I'm not, I'm not helping anybody else because I just, no, I can't do that. Well, that's called burnout. Jesus wasn't burnout. He was like, no, I want my yes to mean something. I want it to be really big. And so Jesus, don't miss this, was fully present for his Yes. The God of the universe that's omnipresent. Meaning God is everywhere. The devil's not everywhere. The devil's not omnipresent. The devil devil can't be more than one place at once. Now he's got little legions and demons and things that can, can kind of do his work. But the devil is only in one place at a time. God, on the other hand, is everywhere. That's who he is. That's a part of his nature. And yet Jesus decided when he put on flesh and blood to be in one place at a time. Can you imagine? The God of the universe that's never known anything but being everywhere. And when Jesus walked this earth, he was one place at a time. Why? Because he wanted to have a really big yes. How many places are you at at one time? Too many. All the demands, right? Like, oh, i got to check my phone. Oh, people might need me somewhere else besides where I am. Oh, my gosh. And then the social media, and people are having a better time than I am right now. So I need to start upping my game. <laughs> right? Ooh, ooh, I'm in Greece. My brother sends me pictures of Greece all the time or other epic places. And like, oh, cool, I'm there for a moment. And then somebody's texting me in somewhere. else, And then I got an email. And then, and then I have to look up and go, Oh yeah, I'm here too, but then I'm there, right? Jesus models for us how to be busy. And one of the ways to be busy is to be present and to be healthy, to be busy is to be saying, my, my yes is right here. This is a big one for me. I don't carry my phone everywhere. And some of you call me and you're like, you're hard to get a hold of it. I'm like, I'm not dodging you. I'm just not a slave to my phone. Because when I'm with you, I want to be with you. When I'm with my kids and I'm not the best at this and I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but it's a value for me. When I'm with my kids, when I'm with my wife, I want to be with them fully because I want to have a huge Yes. And so you know how many things I say no to and how many things that you say no to when you're not on this phone? A billion. And you know what? I'm not people's savior. I'm not. I'm one guy. And the best thing I can do is to be here and now with you, with you, with my friends, with my heavenly father. And so this is how Jesus stayed busy. I'm not gonna be omnipresent because I have to model something for the people that are gonna come after me. I have to teach them that we are on mission and we are busy, but part of that is to have a really big yes here and now and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I wrote this down. Don't let the demands and expectations of life steal your joy for loving and serving people. Jesus didn't get tired of loving and serving people. He loved doing it. He wasn't like, oh my gosh, people are so needy. No, he was like, man, I I have compassion for them. I love them. And I think that it's just, it's so easy. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but I know you're like me. It's so easy to just get tired of people tired of people needing things from you and, and all the dynamics and work and my colleague and my boss and my neighbor and my family. And, you know, you just get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, I'm so tired. And I'm, th- I'm saying Jesus is modeling something for us where we go, you know what? At the end of the day, even though I'm tired, I'm not tired of people. I love people. And I want to have that passion to help people always. You with me? Lastly, and we'll land the plane here. Jesus was driven by purpose, not approval. So we started with Jesus pays himself first. He stays hydrated. He, He does things that he loves and he takes time out of his day to do it. Secondly, Jesus knows how to be fully present. He's not a slave to people. He's not a slave to the demands he has a really big yes. And then lastly, Jesus was driven by purpose, not approval. Verse, 30, uh, verse 38 says this, but he said to them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come. We mentioned before, This was not a popular decision. Jesus left. His disciples said, everyone's looking for you. And after hearing that information, Jesus says, yeah, we're going to the next town. Like, I'm not even going to go back and say goodbye. No explanation. (laughs) It's like, I have a purpose. And my father has given me this beautiful purpose. And I have to be about that. This speaks to um, our motivation. And I put this up there because I think it's important. Our motivation is one of three categories. We're motivated by pleasure. We're motivated by pleasing people. Or we're motivated by a purpose. And sometimes it's all three. But at any given time, what drives us is one of these three things. We're either just Trying to please ourselves, trying to get more money, trying to, you know, go on that next vacation, whatever it is. Trying to please somebody in your life or multiple people in your life or trying to, you know, get popular or, or be successful in people's eyes, measure up to their expectations. And so that's driving you. Or there's some kind of inner internal purpose where you're like, no, I'm actually, I'm actually about something more than just floating through life. There's something that's driving me. I have an engine and it's a passionate purpose that my life is about. And this is where we find Jesus is that he knew he had a purpose and his purpose was given to him by his father. And so uh, what I love about this is that Jesus... Jesus wasn't walking away from the crowds because he was burnt out. Jesus wasn't walking away from the crowds because he was selfish. And he's like, I just need a day off. Jesus is like, no, I have a purpose. And my life is meaningful and valuable. And I have to be about that. And so I'm headed towards there. And I'm inviting you to come to that. And so it was like Jesus saying to his followers, come on, you, you too have a purpose. And it's just, I just want to land the plane here because when we internalize and really believe that our life matters, that you'll live from that place. And it will be far easier to have a really big yes and a big no. It will be far easier for you to make decisions in your life that maybe aren't the popular decisions because you're not going to please everybody. But when you have that purpose on the inside, and when you, and as I was thinking about this, because finding your purpose is a really, really big topic and sometimes daunting. Here's what I want to say to you. Probably three quarters of that whole conversation of how do I find my purpose is simply believing that you have one. Because if you asked me what my purpose was, well, I mean, right now I'd say X. But if you asked me 15 years ago, I'd say Y. Neither of them are wrong. And there's a thread in there that's common, but it's, it, it's seasonal, isn't it? Like, well, 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 you know, right? When you have little kids, it's different, when you, right? It's seasonal. But, but the common denominator is, I believe I have a purpose. I believe you have a purpose. And I don't believe that you grow out of that purpose or that you sin your way out of that purpose. You disqualify yourself from that purpose. God redeems all things. He works all things for the good. Now, I think you can walk away from that purpose, choose not to live for that purpose. But every day when we wake up and we go, my life is matters. Today matters. How would your life be different? If you were like, no, I actually believe that. I actually believe my life matters. And, and, I, and it may not be some epic thing that I see today. Maybe it's just a little bit at a time. But if I believe that my life has eternal value, then how would you live differently? I promise you that you wouldn't try to be finding that place to float. You would never get seasick from your life because you'd be like, no, I I have eternal value. Like there's something that's hanging in the balance and God has ordained. The Bible says that God has ordained the time and boundaries for every person. And I don't know if you've ever thought about like, maybe I, I, you know, I was, should have been born in like the 50s or the, the 80s or the 70s. Like I often think that, but God ordained you to be born when you did and to live where you do. Yeah. That's incredible purpose. And so I just wanna, I wanna present and suggest to you that part of this whole deal in learning how to live that's like a motorboat not searching for the moment where we get to drift or float, but to live a life that says, no, I actually want to be busy. I just want to be busy with a really big yes. I don't want to have a reluctant yes. I don't want to be reactive in my life or protective. Like I got to protect myself because people are going to take advantage of me. Like, no, come on. We're going to take, we're going to say no to certain things. And we're going to say yes to certain things. And we're going to allow Jesus to hydrate our soul. And then we're going to say, come on, my life is, it matters for the kingdom. And that's to be a drink offering to others. My life isn't about trying to protect myself. My life is about pouring out to others and that's fueling when you have a purpose. Will you stand to your feet with me? We're going to do something that we've never done at Heart Church, but God laid it on my heart because when you believe this, you will be fueled by it. So we're going to read three scriptures and they're going to fuel you. They're going to be familiar scriptures to you, but we're going to read them out loud and these are going to fuel us and then I'm going to Pray. So, put the first one up there, and it's Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. And um, I'm going to say one, two, three. We're going to read it out loud. One, two, three. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on. Next one is Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. For we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Last one is 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Father God, I thank you that your word fuels us. The truth of your word fuels us that we are on mission. That I'm not depleted, that I'm not struggling, that I'm not scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to survive. But Jesus, you have truly created me to thrive in every circumstance. And so Father, I pray right now by your spirit that you would open up the eyes of our heart to see. Yes. Maybe where we've been clouded by the demands of life or by the disappointments of life, by the unexpected, and we found ourselves floating. And Jesus, I thank you by your Spirit that you're opening up our eyes to see something different, that we matter that there's a bigger story here that we can be a part of that will fuel our soul. And so God, I ask that you would do that now by your spirit. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.